Hello guys, welcome to another episode of the Crypto Authority Podcast. This is an episode with Eric Lachshavek, the CEO of Ledger. This was a podcast me and him recorded back in February. Unfortunately, we didn't release it back then because we were hoping to get the Ledger Nano X to review. This didn't happen because of Ledger's production issues with the Ledger Nano X. Uh, we only got to review it recently and we've published that review and now we have a giveaway. So we're also releasing this podcast, better late than never, as many like to say. Hope you enjoy it. The technology likely to have the greatest impact on the next few decades has arrived. You can start building completely new concepts for payments that we've never thought of. Move the need for a financial intermediary to transact value. Bitcoin and the blockchain have an amazing future. This is going to transform society. Hello guys, welcome to another episode of our Cryptocurrency uh, Industry Insights. My name is Thomas. Some of you know me as the Crypto Authority Lad, those that read our blog. This week we have the CEO of Ledger, Eric Lachshevek. Welcome, Eric. Hi, thank you. Thank you for taking the time to speak with us. Would you like to tell me something about yourself? How you grew up, how you got into the Bitcoin business, how you got into Ledger? Of course. Uh, so I'm, um, I'm an engineer in microelectronics. I got my diploma, my engineering diploma in 96. Uh, so like, uh, like two, more than 20 years ago. Uh, but I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. So the first thing that I did when I got my diploma was to create my, my, my first company. It was an internet company doing a FTP website. It was really the, the beginning. And then, um, since then, I have done quite a few, uh, startups and companies in, uh, in Europe, usually in IT, but I, I also did some uh, hospitality industry, built a hotel in, in Riga, Lazia, did some real estate in, in, in Romania. But anyway, I, I came back to France in 2010 and did a comparison engine, which I developed, raised some money and, and sold. When uh, when I was looking for the next uh, next adventure, uh, the next thing to do, I, I got interested into uh, into Bitcoin, uh, and I spent my time to read everything about the technology, about the blockchain, the mining, the decentralization, and I was blown away by uh, by yeah by the technology and all the things that make Bitcoin so interesting. And for me, it was clear I had to spend all the, the rest of my time to that and that my next venture will be uh, related to, to Bitcoin. However, at the time, I didn't know what to do exactly. Uh, so I went for something very horizontal. I opened in Paris uh, La Maison du Bitcoin, the house of Bitcoin, which is a a physical space where the idea was just to 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 take a position on the subject to to uh, to have some training to to explain what is bitcoin we also have a, a desk where you can a physical desk physical counter where you can buy and sell bitcoin uh, and then ethereum when, when it arrived but it was uh, really open-ended there wasn't any business model uh, i just wanted to be in the space and by doing this, uh, by managing the, the, the house of Bitcoin, uh, it gave the opportunity as well for other companies or the developer startups to, to, to go because uh, we were doing meetups. And this is how I, I, I met with two other startups. One was coming from uh, the, the security industry, the smart card industry. 
and they had designed the first prototype of a secure element-based hardware wallet, but it was very technical, impossible to use almost. And another company was selling uh, Bitcoins through postal services, and they needed a media to send the private keys. And so what happened is that we share, we basically, we share the same vision that cryptocurrency, blockchains could not scale without proper, let's say, endpoint security. And that France, uh, French technology with the smart card, secure chips had really something to, to, uh, to bring. That for once being French <laughs> could be an advantage. And so we decided to merge our three companies and to create Ledger. So that was end of 2014. And this is how the company went uh, to life. I'm impressed. You are the definition of an entrepreneur. You've gone into so many different businesses until you got to Ledger. Congratulations. I'm sure many out aspire to be like you. Going back to when you first discuss, uh, when you first stumbled across Bitcoin, how did that happen? Where did you first hear about Bitcoin and, you know, you got interested and read about it? How did that happen? So the, the, I think the first time I, I, I heard about Bitcoin uh, was in 2011. It was actually my wife talked to me about it, but I was really um, very focused on my startup. And uh, so I didn't have the bandwidth to really look what it was. And then like, like 18 months later, uh, when finally I had some time, basically I was just reading TechCrunch and other medias like that to, to, to see what was going on. And I was more and more seeing about Bitcoin, about Mt. Gox, uh, you know, which was the big exchange at the time. It was before the hack. And so it, I was very curious because just the name Mt. Gox, you know, for an exchange was very, very strange. And I, I was saying, what is that? You know, what, what is this thing, Bitcoin? How can it work? And at the time, I just had my third child. So I had to spend a lot of time, you know, with him in my my arms and trying to put it to sleep so i had some time to to, to read and so i just uh, plunged into uh, wikipedia into all the forums and try really to understand and the more i was reading the more i wanted to to to, to know more so um, it really took me i think two or three weeks to really understand the blockchain technology, the mining, because it's quite complex and it's so different that you really have to to come from a blank state to uh, to really understand how it works. But it was really amazing, and uh, I really uh, I think I was struck by lightning. It's true what they say: behind every successful man is a woman. So she, was, <laughs> your wife, was the one that got you into it at the beginning. Yeah. Um, so you looked at Bitcoin. Uh, you understood it at the time. Did you support the vision? Do you support the vision now? Do you think it's going the right way? Or are all these hard forks taking away from what Bitcoin is supposed to be? Or are they helping it go where it's supposed to be? Uh, well, from the beginning, I, I really understood and adhered and, 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 and liked the, the, the vision, the, the, the idea of having a decentralized currency managed by an algorithm with a fixed supply, and that it was really an alternative to what we have on the economics that that we have, and so that's one of the things that excited me the the, the most: the capacity for uh, for us to take back some power on the uh, on the money, on the currencies, on the the, the values, and have some alternatives. Uh, and I still believe uh, in the vision, and I still think that it's a very big driver to the success of. Uh, of, of cryptocurrencies, these decentralizations. I'm, I'm not a maximalist in the sense that I don't think that there is only Bitcoin 
and all the others experiments in blockchain like should not exist or have no value i'm quite open to 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 everything and i think with the forks uh when basically um it's in my opinion it's helping because uh it's an open market everyone can forks uh, and there is no reason <laughs> to to prevent any forks or to prevent people to do whatever they want and then the market uh, will speak about the success of the forks uh, so I think it's uh, it's also um, a good um, uh, it shows also the, the complexity of governance of a protocol uh, because Bitcoin is very difficult to evolve and I think it's 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 a feature and if some people really want to evolve it to change it uh, then if they want to fork I think it's a good thing that they can do it I don't have any uh, let's say comment on what is the real vision of Satoshi because. I think it doesn't matter. Uh, what will matter is what the market will uh, will develop, and uh, I think they can have many solutions to the scalability issues. And uh, let's see, it's good to see a different approach, and let's see how it's going to evolve uh, in the future. Uh, but that's fascinating, uh, the way that uh, people, developers, can really fork and build their own vision of uh, what they want to do. Wow, a uh, true supporter of the um, decentralized aspect of Bitcoin. Yeah, exactly. There is uh, that's that's the idea, decentralization. So you created La Maison de Bitcoin, then it became um, CoinHouse recently. Are yes. you still involved with the as a ex-co-founder or? Yeah, I, I'm still uh, I'm still a shareholder of the company, and I'm a non-executive board member. So I'm still following the project. But I don't have any day-to-day -day involvement into the company. So uh, earlier on, you mentioned that after creating La Maison du Bitcoin, uh, you had three companies. One was selling Bitcoin through postage. The other one was creating uh, basically the first hardware wallet in a smart card. Yeah. And you, along with them, joined together to create Ledger, right? Yeah, correct. So what was the vision initially when you created Ledger? What were you planning? What did you want to do? Where did you want to go with it? So it was very clear that we wanted to solve the endpoint security uh, for crypto assets. Uh, so whatever is the project. So at the time, there was only Bitcoin. Uh, so we were doing that for, for Bitcoin. But also we understood that there were, there, there were going to be other projects uh, like that. And they will all share the same pain point of security. And so Ledger has been created to solve endpoint security through the use of secure hardware. Uh, and this is what we continue to do uh, today. The vision of the company hasn't changed. Of course, we have evolved our product and we have a much larger scope of activity uh, compared to what we were initially doing, which was, let's say, just the hardware wallet. Now we do uh, many different things. Uh, but uh, from day one, uh, the company hasn't pivoted uh, and we are still uh, doing uh, what we were doing from the beginning. Interesting, interestingly enough, the deck of the Series B of Ledger is more or less the same than the seed deck from Ledger. So the numbers have changed, the ambition maybe has changed, but the, ultimately the problem that you are solving is still the same. I totally understand where you're coming from. We recently had a discussion with uh, Will from My Hardware Wallet. Uh, we've written an article 
a big concern about security with storing your cryptocurrencies and your digital assets. What is your view on the community's approach to this? Is the community buying hardware wallets? Are they storing them securely? Is the education there that storing them on an exchange is just not appropriate? It's um, not secure. What's your view on that? Well, the main point, the main challenge, as you said, it is education. Everything is about uh, education because, first of all, Bitcoin, crypto, blockchain, it's not easy. I mean, even investors are not understanding uh, everything about the, 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 the technology. And even even though they want to understand it, it takes some, some time. And so it's the same for uh, the security, the way you are going to manage your, your Bitcoins or crypto. Should you manage it yourself? Should uh, should give you, should you give it to a third party? Should it be an exchange? Should it be like a broker or a wallet like uh, Coinbase? So that there are a lot of choices. I think the community is doing an excellent, uh, let's say, uh, work uh, to explain that if you do not own your keys, you do not own your crypto. Uh, that's something that you hear more and more and. Uh, Community, the community in general is also advising not to let uh, crypto on exchanges because then you trust a third party to, to, to manage everything. But if you want to become your own bank, having a hardware wallet, for instance, then you also have some responsibilities. You must make sure that you protect your backup, that you understand that you should not put your 24 words uh, on your computer or take picture of it. So it's always about education. Uh, and it's a very complex uh, subject uh, because with decentralization comes responsibility and not everyone uh, have the capacity or the will to do it uh, properly. So I would say that one of the biggest challenge uh, of Ledger is education. The good news is that all the crypto communities completely agree uh, with the need of security and always take a lot of effort to explain that to the newbies. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the community is is trying to help with the education. We did a podcast. We've done two podcast calls on this matter. We've written a blog. We've done. We're doing a live YouTube stream in a couple of weeks with Hashoshin. Uh, but yeah, the community is really trying. Uh, we've actually just given uh, did a giveaway for ten digital bitboxes. One of your competitors. Uh, so the community is there. Uh, they're trying to help with this situation. Uh, you're an investor in uh, cryptocurrencies, I presume, yes? Yes, I, I own some cryptos from, from the beginning. Perfect. Uh, I'm, I'll take it as a given that you have stored them on the Ledger devices. Yes, of course. <laughs> well, how do you store your seed, your 20-word seed? Have you got one of um, these devices, like the crypto tag, the Steely, to store it on there? Have you got a partnership with one of these companies? So the, the, yeah, the backup, the 24 uh, recovery phrase is uh, an essential and critical part of uh, managing your own keys. Uh, and uh, that's a big, uh, that's a big challenge, a big subject because for, um, I mean, hardware wallets have evolved a lot. Uh, we see a lot of uh, competition, great products. Uh, but for the backup, it's still, you know, save your 24 word on a piece of paper. So they are, some solutions which are based on on steel, where you put some letters uh, in, in some kind of steel casing, and the idea is to be 
safe if there are uh, fire or water, you know, or, or sun or any, uh, let's say, physical uh, phenomenon that could destroy the, the, the backup. So uh, using this type of products are quite cool. Uh, and uh, then it's about the process. Uh, how, what do you do, you know, with your backup? If it's, it's on paper or on, on steel plates, uh, then what I do is to make sure, and that and everyone should do the same, is that to make sure that my backup is not at the same place, not in my house, uh, because that's an extremely valuable uh, piece of information. Uh, and so it should be uh, in a bank vault. I mean, there are many solutions, but the easy one is the bank vault, where basically to access the vault, uh, you need to call before, you need to come with a key, you need uh, to take appointments. So if you have a home jacking on a, on a very stressful situation, then at least uh, you are putting yourself out of the equation because you cannot access uh, this information. Also, if you are an advanced user and you understand what you are doing, using what we call a passphrase, or which is used often as a 25th word, is can also be a good solution because then, if uh, there is a breaking at your house and you have your your backup at your house, a lot of people are doing that because not everyone wants to have a, a bank vault or something. Um, then, without the passphrase, uh, it's not possible to access your funds. But then the question is, how do you make sure you do not forget your uh, passphrase? And you have to take a passphrase, which is not like a one, two, three, four. Um, so it's very complex. And then there is also a big question about, uh, your next of kind, next of kin. Uh, what happens if suddenly you disease or you have an accident or you are in a coma? How do you make sure that someone else can access your funds in an event of a very bad situation while in the same time making sure that no one can access them when you are alive? And these are open-ended questions. They are not like good answers today, no trustless answers. And I think it's a fascinating subject uh, to address as well. Absolutely. Um, so guys, from the CEO of Ledger himself, do not put your seed on the paper and under your mattress. It is a bad idea. Yeah, very <laughs> um, bad idea. And you're, you raise an interesting point. How do you approach the next of kin? Um, we've done podcasts, we've written blogs on this, and yet... We, I've never, it never even occurred to me at the time, uh, how do you give it to your next kin? Maybe it's because I'm really young at the time, I don't have uh, children, but it, it's a very interesting question, um, how to store it securely while also giving them that access. Anyway, um, moving on to Ledger specifically, you guys have the Ledger Nano S, you've now released the Nano X. How are these devices different from each other? So the Nano X is an evolution of the Nano S. That's why it shared the, the name. Uh, initially, we had the Ledger Nano. Nano, the name was chosen because it was small, but there wasn't any screen. That was the first generation of the Nano. Then we did the Nano S, which has a screen. So S is for screen. And uh, two years later, and so now, uh, we have announced uh, the Nano X. X is for extended. And the biggest difference is that with the Nano X, you can have mobility. You have uh, Bluetooth, which allows to manage your hardware wallet with your iOS phone, your Android phone. You do not have any more to, to take your laptop uh, or your computer with you if you want to make a transaction. 
So if you like mobility, if you want to make payments on the go, you know, at a store or you have a meetup, you want to, to, to do something, uh, then the, the Bluetooth uh, on the Nano X uh, is really a, a very good evolution. There are also some changes about the memory available uh, in the Nano X. You can store much more application in the same time. We know that it's uh, an issue that with the Nano S you can have a, a, a limited number of applications in the same time, and so you have to install, reinstall. I mean, you you can do it, but uh, from the UX perspective, it's a little bit sometimes uh, a pain. And we have a better UX, a better screen, larger screen, etc., etc. But basically, for us, the idea was really to enable mobile usage because that's also part of having a more mainstream adoption of crypto. If you want to use crypto securely and you have to take your laptop from your, your backpack and put a table and be very clunky, so that doesn't scale very well. Interesting point. Um, I'm... Very excited now to test it out because I've now tested the treasure models. I've tested the digital bit box. I've tested paper wallets. I'm really, you guys uh, promised to send us some of uh, the Nano X in, a, in the coming weeks. Yes. Really excited to test it out. Uh, you're the first hardware wallet I'm going to test that has Bluetooth capabilities. There's another one that has it, but I'm, I'm actually waiting for it to arrive today. Um, so, how did you guys address the security issue related to Bluetooth technology? The fact that it's no longer basically, it is cold storage, but it there is that access that someone can get while being in close vicinity to you, which you couldn't with the Nano S that didn't have this capability. So thank you for the question because it's a, it's a very uh, important one. Um, the Nano X has been designed uh, with the fact that the Bluetooth connection can be compromised um, anytime. From our point of view and from a security point of view, there is no difference between the Bluetooth and the USB. It's basically a connection, a bearer. And if it's compromised, ultimately, you can always rely on the secure screen of your device, of the Nano X, to validate the transaction that you want to, to sign. So we are using the highest level of encryption and security for the Bluetooth connection. So there is a numerical uh, pairing and everything is uh, encrypted end-to-end. -end. So to break the, the, the Bluetooth connection, it's not trivial. But of course, it can be, it's possible. And if someone takes control of the Bluetooth connection, the worst thing that can be done is to try, let's say, to modify the destination address. And so as long as you check on your device, on your screen device, what you are signing, then uh, you are safe. And it's not possible to take control of the Nano X through the Bluetooth because the Bluetooth connection, the Bluetooth stack, is managed by a MCU, a non-secure microcontroller, which basically is air gaping the secure element. So even if you compromise the Bluetooth and you compromise the MCU, you, the only thing that you can do is to send command to the secure element. You cannot even access it, uh, from the inside. And so again, it ensures the isolation and it is still called, uh, storage. So we are very comfortable with the security of the Nano X. And adding Bluetooth doesn't change at all the security model. 
Wow, can't wait to test it. Sounds like you guys have done your homework and it's a secure device. One of the things I found, I haven't tested the device. I haven't got a chance yet, either the, uh, the Nano S or the Nano X. So I'm just going to go on the basis of what I uh, experienced with uh, the, another company's device. They also had the validation on the screen, which is great because it's an extra security feature. But um, one of the problems I saw with the, this was that the writing on the device itself was very tiny, even though they used an OLED screen and it was clear, the fact that it was so small ended up having to use a magnifying glass for ease because you're not just checking a word that says, uh, hello, Thomas, you're looking at numbers and letters in a random combination. You want to make sure that the address displayed is correct. How have you guys addressed that issue? So the Nano X screen is has the double number of pixels compared to the Nano S. So of course uh, it's not small, but people could say, yeah, it's not big uh, as well. It's not the size of uh, of a smartphone, but it's still extremely easy to to read. And I don't think that if if you have a normal view, <laughs> uh, normal A sight, you do not need to have a magnifier. However, it is true that you need to check. Uh, a lot of different letters and numbers, so it requires some time. Uh, and basically, after it depends of your own, let's say, security procedures. Uh, when you do like very small payments, you just check the amount. Uh, if it's sub fifty dollars, then you you check the, the first letters of the address, so you are sure that it's going well. But for sure, if you make a big payment. If you want to send to an exchange or you want to have to pay a big invoice, then you are going to take the extra minute to check maybe not all the letters, but at least the first eight and the last eight. And then you're sure that it's not feasible to, uh, let's say, hijack the, uh, the address into this uh, timeline. Uh, so it's just a question of, of procedure and taking the necessary time when uh, you are doing a, a very critical transaction. Nice. Th thank you for the uh, top tip uh, hacks on how to use. If I read the, some questions out, some of uh, the people we have a partnership with, our audience on uh, Twitter, we uh, we told them that we'd be having this conversation with you and they came up with some questions. Okay, great. One of the questions was, many customers found the Ledger Nano S update process challenging and there were periods of time where support seemed overwhelmed. Has that been the focal point of improvement for the Ledger Nano X? So, yes. Uh, and I would say that the update process itself has been a focal point of improvement for, for Ledger. Um, we, it's not the first time that when we release a firmware update, uh, it doesn't go as smoothly as we want. Um, so we have our infrastructure, which gets uh, overloaded because every, everyone is trying to update in the same time. So it takes a while. We also have some issues in some specific Windows combinations. So I would say that maybe nine, for 90% of our customers, uh, it goes well. But for 10%, maybe 5%, it goes more difficult. And for a few percent, it can be a nightmare. Because it doesn't work, it, uh, I mean, you have all the issues that you can find, and and that's that's a problem. Uh, because even if a few person has some issues, as we have a lot 
of users. We have sold 1.5 million units of the Nano S, for instance. Then it's a lot of requests that we have. And the customer support is uh, overwhelmed because there is like a huge uh, spike of, um, of requests. And of course, we want to make it better for the Nano X, but as well, we want to make it be better for the Nano S. And we completely acknowledge that uh, we are not yet there. Uh, and the first, in the last weeks, we have worked a lot into our release processes to have a much better uh, quality. Uh, also, in the latest uh, update of the Nano S, uh, the, the space for application has been reduced because we have added some uh, more, uh, let's say, uh, cryptographic algorithms into the firmware. And at the end, in some configuration, you can only have two applications, which is not great. And so we are going to work to make sure that we can revert the size. Um, I just want to, to, to stress again that the Nano S is a very important piece of hardware. We have millions of customers and we are going to continue to support the device and we are committed to enhance the experience. So for sure, we are going to make sure that it works much better with the Nano X, but it will also work much better with the Nano S. I think it's important because we have a lot of customers who love their Nano S and Ledger is committed to continue supporting it. Okay, perfect. I'm really happy to hear that you guys have tried to address this issue with the Nano X and that you're going to continue to try to improve the Nano S. Will you continue to keep adding more coins and tokens on the Nano S after the Nano X launches? Yes, of course. Each time that we will add a new, um, a new coin, a new app, it's going to get compiled for the Nano X and uh, the Nano S. So a lot of the developments, especially for new coins, is getting done by uh, third parties developers. Uh, and in the release process, we will ask them to provide with both Nano S and Nano X support. Because again, we really want to continue to support the Nano S for the years to come. Okay, so you're supporting the Nano S. Will it be withdrawn from the market in terms of sales? Will you only be selling the Nano X in a couple of months? Or are you going to continue to sell both devices? We, we will continue to, we will for sure continue to sell both devices because not everyone wants to have uh, a Bluetooth and a battery. Uh, the Nano S uh, has been very successful because it's extremely resilient. I mean, the rate of failure is very, very low. Uh, and if you want to keep your hardware wallet uh, in a safe or in a drawer and you don't go out and it's, you know, you don't need to have a battery, you don't want to have Bluetooth, it is also much cheaper. So for sure, we are going to continue to, to sell the Nano S because it's a very good, uh, let's say, it works very well with the Nano X. Uh, so it's not one or the others. We believe that it can make sense to have a few Nano S at home in your office and a Nano X on the go for your account that you want to use uh, when you are on mobility. Okay, perfect. So each one has its use, each one has its customer basis. Um, going into that, uh, what about the big brother, the Ledger Blue? What's uh, that, that to me seems like the silent uh, of the three. Uh, not many people discuss the Ledger Blue. Who's it intended for? Who's the customer base? So you are correct. The Ledger Blue uh, so has been sold to a much, uh, let's say, uh, much uh, lower uh, number of units. Uh, it has been like uh, maybe uh, tens of thousands of units compared to like one million and a half for for the Nano S. 
and we have been dedicated uh, the Ledger Blue more for our enterprise uh, users uh, in conjunction with the Ledger Vault with this solution for uh, custodianship. Um, and so right now, uh, the Blue is still available for consumers who want to buy it. And when, they, when the, the, the interest, the advantage of the Blue is basically that you have uh, a bigger screen. So it's only about the UX. When we publish application on the Nano S, we also publish uh, on the Ledger Blue. Not all applications are available on the Blue because some of the third-party developers did not have the time to develop for, for the Blue. So I agree, it's a little bit more silent. Uh, and uh, we have not been able to develop all the updates and all the features that we wanted uh, on the on the Blue. So it's a product that has only a few thousands of units available for uh, consumers, and that will be a focus for enterprise uh, only. Okay. Uh, so again, back to the each one has its user basis and its uh, customer. Will you be going for an update to the Ledger Blue like you did with the Nano S that you re now you're releasing the Nano X? Will there be a new version of that, an updated one? Are you referring to a hardware update? Uh, yeah, yeah, new device like the Nano X or the Nano S. Would are you going for the same approach with the Na uh, Ledger Blue? Maybe one that supports Bluetooth, or is that not in the plans? So it's not something that we can share as, as of today. Uh, we are always considering uh, things, but right now we don't have anything to share. No worries. Uh, where do you see the company going in the future? What's the plan going forward? So as everyone knows, the, the crypto market uh, has tanked and lost 80% of its value. So for sure, the hardware wallet is suffering a lot. Uh, it is still doing well. For instance, uh, in the last Black Friday uh, in November, it has been almost as good as the one from 2017. So there are like, strong indicators that the need for hardware wallet is still here. But the market uh, is, uh, let's say, much, much lower. And today, the opportunities of developments are not really on the hardware wallets right now. I think they will be back uh, when the market will come back. But I think that we are going to see maybe 18 months of uh, some kind of bearish markets where uh, the, the dynamism of the hardware wallet will not be uh, very strong. However, Ledger is also doing some uh, some products for financial institutions, named the Ledger Vault, which is a SaaS solution for for banks, hedge funds, etc., wants to to manage their their crypto assets with governance. And we also develop solutions for IoTs to secure machine-to-machine -machine payments, uh, to have some hardware oracles for. Uh, tokens which represent certificates of origin. So we are doing uh, a lot of different things into this area. So we are we think that the opportunities for the next year or year and a half are onto these two markets. So Ledger is focusing a lot of this of its efforts uh, on that. So to to answer your questions, uh, the objective of Ledger ultimately is really to become a global leader in uh, endpoint security for crypto assets. And so it means that not only we want to, to continue to be the leader on the hardware wallets uh, for uh, consumers and individuals, but also to deploy our solutions for enterprises, industrials, and, uh, and machines. So that is why we have raised a large round of, uh, of financements uh, one year ago 
to be able that we can continue to develop these new uh, businesses. Nice. Uh, so lots of plans for the future, maybe not for the average consumer at this stage because of the market, but you guys are going to stay in the hardware wallet business. Oh, yes, for sure. That's uh, yeah, yeah. We are not going to opt out of this business. It's just that it's not maybe the right moment to do and put on the market of a lot of innovations because the market is not ready for it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what about your competition? Who is your competition in the hardware wallet market and how are you doing things differently from them? So competition of the hardware wallet is, of course, uh, Trezor. Um, and then there is a digital beatbox. Uh, there is a Kipki. Um, uh, there are also Asian companies with a cool wallet, Codlar, that you can find mainly in China. And, um, and, and I guess uh, a, a few others. And the big difference between ledgers and, and Trezor, Kipki, or, and, and others uh, is the fact that we build everything on uh, secure elements. Uh, so we use the technologies that you will find in uh, the SIM cards, the chip and pin credit cards, uh, the, the, the passports. So specific chips that has been designed to have anti-tempering, uh, to have certification, to make sure that they can keep secrets. And that if you take a ledger device, even if you have physical access, you cannot open it to, to, to reveal the secrets. Other companies, specifically uh, Trezor, which is like the number two on the, on the market, they use more what we could call like the, the, the toaster technology, the, the, the chips that you will find in uh, microwave, remote controllers, uh, toys. Uh, so it doesn't have the same level of, of security. Uh, what they have uh, and what, what allows to use uh, unsecured devices that they can become open source and basically, they are doing things with a different approach. They prefer to be open source uh, and to use non-secure devices. And they accept the fact that there is a limitation to this model. Because basically, if you take a Trezor device and you use some kind of uh, very advanced technology to extract the seed, then you can get access to the private keys. Uh, on the contrary, we use secure elements, which is much better from a point of view of the technology. But we have to sign NDAs with the manufacturers, and so we cannot open source our firmware. 80% of what we do is open source, the apps, uh, all the, the software, but the core, the firmware, cannot be open source. That's a limitation of using secure elements. And the answer to that is to have certification, where basically a third party is going to audit our code and say that, yes, it's doing what it is supposed to do. So we have two different approaches, uh, two different architecture. Uh, and uh, the, the specificity of Ledger is to be able to have access uh, to secure elements because it's not easy for a startup to, to, to get these NDAs and get access to these chips. And that is what makes Ledger very specific. And also this is what... Uh, opens ledger to enterprise uh, market because there is no way you can do anything uh, with enterprises if you do not have the right uh, certification levels. I love it. That's the competition. <laughs> um, I, I love uh, how you guys are going for a more secure approach. I'm sure this is going to be an interesting conversation when I talk uh, to ledger in a couple of weeks uh, and see what they have to say. Um, you mean to Trezor or? To Trezor, yeah, I'm, I'm, we're having a podcast call with them in a couple of weeks. It'll be interesting what their view on the matter is. 
Yeah, uh, it's a different, uh, it's a, it's a different approach, a different philosophy. Uh, I think I have only good things to say about Trezor. Their product is great. They have a great marketing, great software. It's just the approach from the security point of view has limitations, but I think they will acknowledge that. Uh, it's just a different way of doing things. Fair enough. Um, thank you. I've, I've covered everything I've wanted to ask. Um, unless you want to discuss anything else, uh, we can go into the quick fire Q and A. Yeah. Okay. Go. So I'm going to ask you a few questions, uh, more going to be personal, um, and you got to give quick answers. Okay. Okay. So most inspirational figure in the space. Ah, you mean in the cryptocurrency space? Yeah. I don't have one. Uh, my inspirational figures are more in the general entrepreneurship. Okay, in the general. Uh, what would you go with that there? Ah, of course, with uh, Elon Musk, because uh, he's really reaching for the stars. Nice. Um, what's your favorite crypto project in the space, other than you guys, of course? Oh, it's 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 Bitcoin. Uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> very old school for me. The favorite crypto project is uh, is is, uh, is Bitcoin. Okay. Any future business plans for you personally outside Ledger? No, I'm hundred percent focused on Ledger. Okay. Um, is Ledger going to be creating any customized Ledger devices like the Trezor? They did a steel version for the fiftieth for some anniversary. Um, are you guys thinking of doing that in the future? Is that a possibility? Yeah, so we have already done that in the past. Uh, we have done a pizza edition. We have done, uh, uh, let's say, some anniversary uh, Bitcoin edition. Uh, we will probably do more, uh, but it will be like affordable uh, editions. Maybe one day we will do uh, like a very specific uh, gold-plated editions, but we will wait for a more, uh, let's say, uh, a bullish market. Well, when you do make the gold editions, don't forget to send one uh, to us, uh, you know. <laughs> of course. <laughs> what are your hobbies outside crypto? Uh, it's just my company. Uh, if I'm not working and not thinking about uh, like crypto or ledger, I'm, I'm, I'm reading books or watching, uh, watching movies. Okay, fair enough. We're spending time with the wife. Don't forget the wife. <laughs> yeah, but we watch together. We watch series and movies together. Okay. Uh, any plans for Valentine's Day with your wife? Uh, yes, of course. Uh, I have booked uh, in a very nice French restaurant, so I'm looking forward to it. Okay. Thank you for taking the time to speak with us. Um, yeah, we really appreciate it. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me.